Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the second big comics podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new era here at the Second Print Comics Podcast. And uh, I'm just going to dive right into things. I'm not going to mess with you. I'm going to get right to bring it in. My co-host, the ever-loving rambling man himself, Remzo W. Martinez. Remzo, what's happening? Any reference of a brand new day triggers me so much, as much as Tom King was triggered over the weekend and then he triggered Dan Slott. If you have no clue what I'm talking about or who those people are, it's okay. Because you're listening to the Second Print Comics podcast, Mark. How was your weekend? My weekend was uh, it was okay. It was it was fine. I enjoyed it, but uh, you know, I, I work in the uh, the live sports uh, realm, and I was actually working for most of the weekend, so it was it was fun. But you know, not the same kind of fun as if I wasn't working. I, I didn't have the same kind of fun as you had. I heard you had an interesting weekend. It was supposed to be awesome, but it was more like adequate. Um, adequate you know, that, that Yeah, I, I flew. I, I flew. I flew halfway across the freaking country to go to AwesomeCon in DC. Now, this is a the AwesomeCon holds a special place in my heart. I've gone every year I could since 2015, and uh, last year they didn't have one because of the pandemic and everything else. But this year they were able to make it work, and you know it, it, it wasn't the same. Um, you know, I, I went ahead and recorded a whole thing on Patreon, giving kind of like the breakdown of my experience there. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, for for listeners of this show, you know, for those of you who interact with Mark and I online and stuff, you understand that we've got criticisms of the comic book and entertainment industry. I, I don't want to be like other, um, you know, comic book review and, you know, commentary shows where we just kind of shit on everything because there's a, there's a lot to complain about in terms of the industry, but there's also a lot to really be happy about. And ultimately what makes these conventions so much fun are the fans. Uh, just like, you know, every week we come back here and, you know, we, we get to, you know, hang out with all of you all after the show and talk about the things we talk about on here, because at the end of the day, uh, what makes fandom awesome is the fans. And I don't think we should ever, you know, lose sight of that. Everything that goes on in, in comics and movies, is meant to entertain people and bring people together, even when it's divisive or controversial or something like that. But, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's a weird time to be a fan because I feel like we're we're either extremely patronized in some ways or we're we're a bit too spoiled in other cases. So I don't, I don't ever want to sound too down on it. But, uh, yeah, different different year. I'll say that. I don't know if I'm going to go back again, but maybe maybe people can go ahead and listen to this on Patreon for the full inside, you know, backstage scoop on that. You know what, Remzo? That's what I call a natural plug. I like that. And uh, so, yeah, you can actually hear Remzo did about a 30 minute breakdown of his weekend at AwesomeCon. Uh, maybe just for just for the folks, just for one little bright moment. Uh, what What was like the best part of the weekend? What was your highlight? I've been really worried about the decline of 
the actual number of comic book vendors at Awesome Con. Something I mentioned in that recap is that, you know, like for San Diego Comic Con, the joke has been it stopped being about comic books over 20 years ago. But what this did provide me the opportunity to do was really get to haggle, really get to take advantage of some really good prices because there weren't that many vendors there. And a lot of vendors who missed last year, you know, they had to get rid of a lot of excess inventory that they weren't able to sell online or anything like that. So I was able to get Spawn issue one and Web of Spider. Man issue one, both of those for a combined fifty dollars, which is a pretty good steal because even even an unsigned spawn issue one can go up to four hundred dollars sometimes really? at these conventions. Not well, online, well, you can, can find I get it. For my signed spawn number one, then. Uh, I mean, at least Todd McFarlane signed and certified, baby. If it comes with the certification, you could do up to two hundred dollars plus because I've seen his stuff. Yeah, it's not. It's not. The book isn't graded, but it has that that, that certify that certification of the signing that I got. Probably. Uh, so see, when I was growing up, Remzo in the the uh, the late eighteen hundreds, uh, I used to go to the New York Comic Con <laughs> with my dad every year, and like you mentioned, like comics comic cons used to be almost entirely about the vendors like when i went to comic cons like that was why it was to just basically look at comics and there'd be some you know a few pretty big you know some of the bigger names would be there doing autographs for like 20 bucks or 25 bucks and you'd you'd buy one of their books or maybe you'd bring one you maybe you'd wait in like a line or two but most of the point of the convention was about looking through books and buying other books uh whereas now it conventions have become these like giant extravaganzas about you know cosplay and major announcements from students Studios and all stuff that's well and good, but you know, back in my day, here, here we go. Back in my day, it was almost entirely about finding cool comics at, at you know, at getting good deals on, on like masses of comics. Yeah, and, and I mean, it was it was also kind of weird too because, for example, like uh, neither Marvel, DC, or Dark Horse, who typically have booths at Awesome Con, none of them were there. So that was that was already kind of a big deal. Like everyone knew that DC was basically going to back out of these things because they backed out of Comic-Con. They backed out of uh, uh, New York Comic-Con. So they backed out of San Diego and New York. And they've moved exclusively just doing fandom because AT&T was like, we're not going to spend money to have all these Warner Brothers execs and everyone else from DC go here for, you know, lackluster reviews and uh, feedback from reporters and stuff like that. Fans shitting on us online. Yeah, so I mean, they did Fandom last year, which was entirely online. And for the most part, everyone was really happy of Fandom. And because everything still got pushed off in terms of releases and stuff, they didn't even do a Fandom 2021. They were just like, go back and watch 2020 for everything that we're eventually going to put out. So that, that was kind of funny. But also, like, Third Eye Comics is the largest. Um, uh, largest single comic book store on the East coast. I think it's only, I think it's like neck and neck with midtown, but I think in terms of like the actual selection of stuff, they're the largest, um, you know, they started awesome con years back and they didn't even show up this year. So it was a weird situation where it's like, where the, where the hell is everybody? And for the people that showed up, I mean, um, it, it was primarily, I, I, I want to say this was a place to grab like, T-shirts, cosplay gear, and Funko Pops. That's that's really what it was, which is nice, but like that was mainly the people that showed up. And even the celebrities didn't show up as much. I gave a breakdown of who did and who didn't show up, but I mean everyone was just kind of there and you know, like it it didn't it didn't feel the same. Let's let's put it that way. But you know, we've got we've got so much other stuff coming out throughout the rest of the year, it's almost one of those situations where it's like, I'm not going to let a weird con experience kind of get in my way of enjoying everything else. At the end of the day, I'm happy that they still did awesome con because a convention these days is better than not having one. 
Um, you know, so I, I don't want to sound too dour about it, but, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've got a lot of stuff, uh, to look forward to. I mean, hell, I mean, I, I'll just go ahead and break the ice that, that no way that, uh, no way home trailer. What the hell? Yeah, well, that, that's the first thing we're going to get, get into today, I think. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is, is a bit of a new day. I was not referencing brand new day, although that is kind of a tie into some of what the, the plot of uh, the scene. Hashtag it's is, all connected. Yeah, it's all connected. Just be with us in the moment. Feel the flow Oh, Dan Slott, Dan Slott uh, former Spider-Man writer who did the brand new day storyline will not be going to any cons any day soon. I will I will say that. Well, that works out great because I don't need to remember that story at all. Nobody likes him. Uh, so, yeah, but, uh, you know, we decided recently, um, based on fan feedback, that fans and especially our patrons who, you know, we're going to listen to them a little bit more. They're the ones that like us so much. They send us money over at patreon.com slash second print pod where you can hear Remzo's full breakdown of the awesome con as well. T- tons of other bonus content, uh, additional Remzo rants you get every week, the summer reading lists. Uh, we have uh, the Claire continues where I will continue with some of the books we've read, the random marvel comics podcast my tales from the fucking pile all sorts of extra bonus content you get for as little as five bucks a month over on the patreon you can even give us up to 40 50 whatever you want and give us a million dollars a month for all i care but uh you know at certain levels like last week we had our kirby club member uh eric who uh set us on the task of reviewing the dark phoenix saga so that was that was a fun one to visit as well a lot more fun than it was during the, the initial his initial uh show sending us down the phoenix saga although i will always Always appreciate those wee bitty leprechauns that we got to meet on that journey. But, the leprechauns uh, are the treasure at the end of the rainbow. Absolutely. <laughs> the real treasure was the leprechauns we got to meet along the way. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what we're doing here, what we decided to do after uh, some behind the scenes negotiation between uh, myself and Mr. Martinez here, we decided that we wanted to incorporate into this program a bit of what Remzo mentioned, a lot of the stuff that we're looking forward to, a lot of the stuff that we're enjoying uh, in the current, not necessarily strictly the comic book world, uh, pop culture. Uh, we'll talk about movies, TV, that sort of thing. Uh, it's something we've done here and there on various episodes. We've done the occasional movie review, the occasional reading list, talking about some of the books we're reading. And whenever we do that stuff, a couple things happen. One, we get great feedback from it. We have higher download numbers. Uh, our our fans say, we really like it when you do this. So we've, we've said from the beginning, even though we have this format that we that we agreed on and that we generally are going to stick to where either I or Remzo uh, picks an, a story from our past from our fanhood and we do really a deep dive almost page by page breakdown of it that is our, our core format we really got a lot of great feedback when we started to talk about uh, the books that we're reading you know people really like to know what we're reading now in addition to what we were reading before uh, and, and and you know we and we get great feedback when we do reviews so we decided to combine all of that stuff into we talked about doing maybe an extra segment or an extra bonus a show uh but we are while we do have some patreon money this is not our job our primary job we are very busy men with many many side hustles and and that sort of thing so it's it, we want to do it in a way that wouldn't cause us to, to have to spend too much extra time than we already are so we came up with a solution where the fourth wednesday of every month we have not named this segment if we'll even name it anything we're open to suggestions as always if anyone wants to create a jingle for us but it's basically going to be what we're watching and what we're reading and we're just going to you know shoot the shit or talk about what current events in the comic book world and Remzo has some news highlights he's going to run through in a bit. Uh, we're just going to basically shoot the shit about the things we are enjoying and looking forward to in the comic book world. And uh, not only do we get that great feedback from it, but I know Remzo and myself both kind of feel a little bit refreshed when we have the chance to do these episodes because uh, when you listen to most of our episodes, our standard format, we really do go deep on these stories. And We, we go balls deep, Mark. Balls deep, you might say. And we put, we put a lot of preparation into having the ability to go balls deep. You know, you got to get a lot of things in order. 
point are going to go that deep on things. I'm not going to go much further with the balls deep analogy because we just don't want to go there. You can only but, go balls deep. You can only go balls deep here. But uh, yeah, but I mean, it, this gives us a break as well. It gives us a little bit of a, a refresher where we don't, I don't have to meticulously prepare for an episode. I don't have to, you know, go through all my notes, go through the story page by page, really know this thing inside out. Cause I, sometimes I prepare so much for an episode that I'm, I'm almost sick of the story by the time I talk about it, just cause I've, I've absorbed myself in it so much. So this gives us a chance to just kind of give our brains a little bit of a reset once a month too. And just, you know, talk about things that's more fresh on our mind and then kind of off the cuff, as opposed to doing the, the many, many hours often of preparation that we do for these things. Yeah. I always usually carry a Bill O'Reilly type philosophy when it comes to the episodes I produce. I'm usually like, fuck it. I'll do it live. We'll do it live. And then then we just kind of keep going. (laughs) I throw notes like she's not wearing many clothes. And that dialogue was kind of strange. And And you you know you're heterosexual once you see how you react to Emma Frost. I believe that was almost a direct quote from Ramsell. Yes, that's the gay test. Yes, There you go. (laughs) This is the kind of hard-hitting analysis you get here on Second Print. But uh, you already mentioned it, Ramsell. So I think we should just dive right into what you brought up here, the No Way Home trailer. Where do we start? Speaking of the with, with with the balls theme, I mean, I got straight hard on when I saw that trailer. Kevin Feige told us you're gonna wait, you're gonna wait a little bit longer, and it got to the point where Twitter just decided to finally do something good with its collective hatred and tell him, Kevin, show us the freaking trailer. So he told us that we were gonna wait a couple days, and that turned into a couple hours, and then I think around. 10 a.m. Central Time. I'm sorry, 10 p.m. Central Time um, Monday. The trailer got released to Twitter first, and it was actually Caleb Franz who texted me. He was like, "No way home trailer! No way home trailer!" And immediately I was just like, "I'm looking at it now." And my gosh, um, we've been kind of teasing. Part of me wishes they gave us nothing. Part of me wishes it was just like Peter coming on screen saying. Hey, it, not even Peter, Tom Holland in his British accent saying, hey, go watch No. That's the, I started to do Australian. I cannot do these accents. Um, anyway. It's like young Russell Crowe. Go, go watch No Way Home. You, you bloody wanker. I don't believe that's what Tom Holland says. <laughs> uh, anyway, we've been talking about our expectations for No Way Home for a while. I think it was a year ago you and I were discussing this idea of them potentially getting into the whole multiverse thing. And when we started seeing that, you know, Dr. Strange was going to be in the film, uh, Alfred Molina, who was, uh, the original doc Ock was recast as doc Ock. And then we got Jamie Foxx who played electro coming back as electro. We, we began to really see, it's like, Oh my gosh, they're jumping into some kind of spider verse situation. And with uh, Loki, with uh, WandaVision, with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, they basically pointed out, and, and even the What If series, it's all about the multiverse. Like, this is this is where Marvel is going. And for the most part, this was not going to be a typical Spider-Man film. So in many ways, um, I'll talk about the, the one thing from the trailer that I really liked and the one thing that I really didn't like. Uh, one thing I really liked, oh my God. Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. We're getting, I'm 99% sure that's uh, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin. We might have a potential lizard. We know that Jamie Foxx is coming back. Um, the, you know, seeing him with Doctor Strange is always really cool. So I'm, I'm really excited. Like this is like my entire childhood just colliding together with everything you love from all the other Spider-Man movies. So I'm just really excited for that. I'm also really pissed off because this also confirms some of my least favorite 
points about the MCU Spider-Man. And this is never a criticism of Tom Holland. I think Tom Holland's a great actor. My problem with his Peter Parker ever since he was introduced in Captain America Civil War is that in in every appearance he's had and in every movie of his he's had, he's always just Iron Tony Boy Jr. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I feel that, you know, he's all power and no responsibility and that this is a Spider-Man who hasn't really come into the role of Peter, the genuine authentic hero. While he's certainly heroic, it's not the same. So with this film, you know, giving him another mentor in the in terms of Doctor Strange, in terms of him just finding another way to quickly find a convenient way to, uh, you know, fight the bad guys and everything by trying to cast a spell and everything, a la Brand New Day, One More Day, all that jazz. Um, and then to have not even his versions of those villains. It's not like these are MCU villains, but to have all the other Spider-Man villains, it, it's almost like, you know, this is... This feels like, um, you know, filler Spider-Man. I almost feel like eventually one day he's going to go back to Sony and he's going to not have a giant combined universe. And then we might get to see a genuine like hero's journey Spider-Man. Whereas with this Spider-Man in the MCU, I feel like he's just kind of skipped to the end a bit. And by encountering older villains that other Spider-Men fought, it, it takes away what would make him feel genuinely his own. And that's my problem. Yeah, I, I have really mixed feelings about Spider-Man in the MCU because I, I was so excited when I first heard it was going to happen. Spider-Man has been my was my when I my first hero I really fell in love with. The first oh, hero but, I, but to I, preface I just one more with. time, like. I have nothing wrong with Tom Holland. Uh, Tom I hope Holland he stays on for a while. I, I think he's a great Spider-Man. You could argue, I, I might argue he is the best Spider-Man actor. Maybe not the best written Spider-Man, but I I, I think he actually is the, the Spider-Man performance that I enjoy the most. I buy him yeah. as a teenager the most. I, I buy him yeah. as a teenager even more than I, I bought, bought, you know, goofy Tobey Maguire as a teenager. I'll do respect to Tobey Maguire, um, but maybe I'll be seeing him soon too anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love Tom Holland, Spider-Man. I agree with the criticisms that, you know, I think it, it seems like Marvel refuses or doesn't want to for due to this sort of rights issue with Sony go all in on making Spider-Man the true Spider-Man that we want. It seems like they just want to make him someone that they can put in movies, uh, give their own movies, but it's not about necessarily building up Spider-Man as one of the greatest heroes in the MCU. It's always about him sort of being like you said, Tony Jr. Or now it'll be, I guess, you know, Dr. Strange Jr. Like, you know, he's always sort of the, the, the mentee, I guess. What's the, oh, is that there's mentor. And then what's the other guy, the, the apprentice. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> he's always sort of the apprentice. And I, I want to think he's going to, he would grow. The character would grow out of that, but here we are at the third movie and there's no signs of that happening. In fact, we never really, I don't think they've ever even mentioned uncle Ben or any, or any of his origin story in this, in this MCU. And I didn't, I didn't want to see a, a straight from scratch Spider-Man story. Cause we, We'd, we'd seen the origin story twice in the last decade before this one came about, but uh, I think we we could have used some some character building or at least references to it. I mean, you could skip the technicalities, but you could still show the progression. And is 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 Peter? Give me a flashback. Yeah, I mean, is Peter a different hero now than he was when he got introduced in uh, Civil War? I would say maybe. Like 
he has in certain ways, but it's like from, okay, let's think about it. The only thing he's really gone through, uh, although obviously when we see No Way Home and he's gone through the, this thing with his identity being revealed, the only thing he's really gone through is losing Tony Stark. It's like Tony yeah. Stark became his, his Uncle Ben. Like even even after Avengers Endgame, in which like he has gone through this giant galactic journey, freaking died and everything else. When he gets back into No Way Home, I'm sorry, Far From Home, his second film in the MCU, he's still so completely unsure of himself. He still shrugs that responsibility that has been granted to him by Tony. So, you know, it's one of those situations where it's like he, he took a big step forward. And then he took a step back. And now, you know, like I, I get why he wants to do this. So for, for people that are, are new to all this, you're wondering, like, what's the whole brand new day references? Dan Slott, who's a writer who hates comic book fans, wrote <laughs> a arc in, Mar- in, in, uh, in, in the comic by Marvel about 20. I think uh, I wasn't going to say 2010. It was more like 2006, 2007, honestly, a year or two after civil war. Yeah, it it was. So 2006, let's say that where basically the world found out who Peter Parker was and he he voluntarily revealed his identity when he took, uh, you know, Tony Stark's side in the civil war, which is, you know, a bit different than how it's revealed in the movies here. yeah. Yeah. So everyone knows who Peter is. And basically what Peter does is he works with Dr. Strange and they ends up working with, uh, you know, Mephisto, to uh, basically wipe everyone's memory of who he was. And what that did was that erased his, um, uh, his uh, time as a new Avenger that erased his marriage of Mary Jane. It brought Norman, uh, it brought Harry Osborn back from the dead because he had been dead in the comics for about 20 years at that point. So it retconned a lot of stuff. And the big complaint at the time was that this had regressed the character, which in, in many ways it did. I was young when I was reading that era. And for me, I at least saw it as, okay, well, he's younger again. There's more of a clean slate. Maybe this will be good. And I, there are some brand new day era stories by slot and by some of the other writers that jumped in that I did like at the time. But for the most part, it, it really kind of regressed his progression as a character in many like, ways. How does that work? Does Spider-Man, does Peter Parker remember being married to Mary Jane? He eventually did. So long, then, but long, does she doesn't, she doesn't know whatever happened. Oh, she knows it happened. She knows it Re- happened, but she knows recently, like very, very recently, they, they retconned the retcon oh, where it wasn't even Peter who, caused it all to happen. It was actually Mary Jane who caused it all to happen. So it's, it's a whole, it's a whole complicated mess, but basically the premise of that is being implemented in this, in this film because he wants to change it. There's a break in the multiverse and Dr. Strange is a part of it. So, you know, they've basically taken that as inspiration for this. And in many ways, it's like, for for Tom Holland to go through all of that and then to say, okay, now, now we now we got to go back and fix it. It's another one of those moments where it's it's through deep selfishness because in the comics, one of the other things that also triggers him to do something so drastic is the fact that Aunt May gets shot by a henchman from the Kingpin. So he's really doing it as a way of saving Aunt May. In this film, he's doing it because at least from uh, from from the trailer, it's like yeah, everyone thinks that he killed Mephisto, but it's more like a I'm tired of the paparazzi following me, so it's less that I have to do this or someone I love will die, and it's more like I'm tired of being annoyed. Make everyone forget, and it's like Peter, you that's that's running away from 
from something that you know is not gonna get better if you do it this way. So it's like all the time he has just constantly run away from these things. Yeah, great power comes great responsibility, which, by the way, he's never uttered in the films. No one has ever even uttered it to him. He's had some of those moments so far, but they've they, they've been trounced because of the weight of his other actions in terms of avoiding things. So, I mean, that, that's my, that, that's my biggest problem with it because, uh, and I don't know if it's a behind the scenes issue between Sony and Marvel where they both want to kind of leverage their bets, you know, leave a lot to chance of what could happen later. But, um, I mean, this is appearance one, two, three, four, five, six, it's going to be a six appearance in, in an MCU film. And I don't feel that he has made as much progress as even, you know, Toby Maguire made between uh, one and two and two and three. Yeah. I mean, but how, how much of that do you think is just simply the fact that, uh, you know, Disney does not have full control over that character. I, I think that's, that's a huge part of it. So, okay. Big, big news highlight because two big things came out from Sony today. One is that uh, the Venom film, let there be carnage, which was supposed to come out this fall has been pushed to, sometime in 2022 they have not released a month they've just said that's going to be sometime next year so we were expecting it i think in october and now we're not going to see it till 2022 so we don't know if it's because sony doesn't want to compete with some of the other marvel films but it also doesn't look good for morbius because now there's um there, there's talks that morbius is also getting pushed to 2022 i think morbius is supposed to come out in uh, november so Sony has put all their Spider-Man related films that they themselves are doing off into 2022 for the most part. Uh, And then today, like hours after the No Way Home trailer came out, they went ahead and released a statement saying that their Spider-Man films are no longer to be referred to as the Sony universe of Marvel characters. Now it is Sony's Spider-Man universe, which really shows them doubling down that, you know, Spider-Man is ours. He's going to be ours because he's always been ours and we're not just going to give him away. We're not just going to, you know, uh, sidestep to Marvel based off what Marvel wants. They are very solidly saying you took all our other people. Now this is ours and we're going to freaking keep it and we're going to own it. So, you know, in many ways, I, I've, I've been in the camp of, you know, give the kid back to Sony. Like, we, we, we had a good run. I don't really feel like it's necessary anymore. They obviously want to integrate more Spider-Man projects into the film line. Like, we know that Aaron Taylor Johnson, who played Kick-Ass and uh, Quicksilver in Avengers Age of Ultron, is, is going to be in a solo Craven film. Like, Sony gives no fucks about how Marvel feels about this stuff. They're poaching their actors. They're taking their characters. They're going after the golden child. And they may as well, right? I mean, and, you know, at some point, you know, the the, the end game here is is got to be they want they want the Toms, they want Tom Holland and Tom Hardy together on that screen. Everyone does, and I do too, exactly. So I, I think that that's inevitable. It just remains to be seen how exactly that happens. I mean, I, I don't think you really need Peter Parker in the MCU. I, I mean, that you could really just have them give him up to Sony, and of course, there's financial reasons they don't want to do that too. But you know, and but he can still make an occasional Avengers appearance, and you know, say can give his you know, a couple one-liners. But let Sony go full fully nuts with the with the with that universe. I say, why not? You know, that's what I want to see. I mean, it, it works for years, and, and honestly, I was always kind of upset 
it's like, oh, we'll never see Spider-Man in the MCU. And then when they did make that deal happen, of course, it was really nice. But it ended up making me actually more nostalgic for the old Spider-Man films, because at least that was genuinely Spider-Man. Here, it hasn't felt like it's had that genuine Spider-Man mythos to it. So it's almost like, you know, like we, we had a good run, get, give, give the kid back. And one of the theories, and it's just absolutely a theory that has been on Reddit and a, a bunch of other blogs, CBR, comic book uh, resources and comicbookmovie.com. One theory is that this is going to be his last film in the MCU. And the reason why they are introducing so many of the former Spider-Man villains, why we might get to see Andrew Garfield and, uh, Toby Maguire come in is this idea that by breaking the multiverse with Spider-Man's wish to Dr. Strange to cast a spell to make everyone forget him, that Spider-Man is going to do something in which he gets completely removed from the MCU. So we will still have references to prior Spidey adventures, except you might not get to see him cross over with other heroes anymore. And that stuff could be referenced, but it's going to be a universe parallel to the MCU. And it's not going to be the MCU anymore. It's just going to be Spider-Man doing Spider-Man things, not having his films necessarily affect what goes on in the MCU, like with other heroes. So that's a theory that this is Sony and Marvel's attempt at a clean divorce. It's why they brought back all the heavy hitters from all the previous Spider-Man films, because if there's going to be the last hurrah, you know, give them a doctor strange, give them all these other people, make as much money Let's as have possible. One last wild night together. Exactly. <laughs> that's literally it. Let's get all the booze, all the drugs we can get our hands on and just go nuts. And then we'll, we'll call this a life. Yeah, and honestly, if that's if that's the case, uh, I'm I'm okay with that. And, and you know, one one of our one of our listeners, uh, 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 what's how, how do you pronounce his name? Joe Freitz. Joe Freeze. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But this is the uh, first Joe. time I actually thought I had to think of it. So Joe, let's you, just call you, him Joe. Joe, <laughs> you know we love you. Joe mentioned uh, at, at the end of this film, since obviously they're taking so much Spider-Verse inspiration, it's like at the end of this film, if they don't show Miles Morales in the credit in the end credit scene, there will be hell to pay. And I responded, Joe, I'm absolutely for you. And I think there's a better case for Miles to be the MCU Spider-Man at this point than even Peter Parker, because everything we've seen from MCU Peter is basically Miles Morales from his friends to how everything kind of is. I mean, he's already basically Miles. So here's, here's how you split it. Sony can keep Peter and they can do whatever animated Spider-Verse projects that they want to do because they make all the money and win all the awards of that. And if you want to have a clean, fresh approach and, you know, it, it satisfies Spider-Man guys because it gives us a genuine Spider-Man experience and it satisfies the woke crowd because Miles is the MC Spider-Man now. Honestly, I think it's a win-win. Send, send Peter off to Sony. Give MCU Miles Morales a Spider-Man I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, Peter ends up in some alternate reality and that alternate reality might happen to be the one that is inhabited by, you know, Tom Hardy's Venom and Carnage and, and all that stuff. And Morbius and, and Craven the Hunter. Like, it's already there. It's just, it just doesn't have Spider-Man yet. Maybe that works for everybody. And then, you know, it, I mean, they, they tease Miles Morales in the in the first, in Homecoming. So mm -hmm. it, you'd think, at least by this third movie, two movies later, we're going to at least get a post-credits or something like that. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think at this point, how could they, 
they resist bringing Miles Morales into the MCU. And if it's just a, a swap with Tom Hardy, uh, not Tom Hardy, uh, Tom Holland, uh, and, and maybe Tom Hardy gets involved too, then uh, everybody wins. So at, at the end, Remzo, did this trailer make you more excited than you previously for this were, were for this movie or less excited? More excited. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be completely honest. How can, how can anyone watch that scene where Doc Ock comes in and he's, he, he says that classic line, hello, Peter. And how can you not just smile? I, I, I literally just smiled. Like, and, and to me, it didn't, it didn't tell me anything. I didn't already know. Cause you know, we're nerds. We're on all the websites and we, we knew this stuff was all going to be involved. We knew Alfred Marie Molina had been signed. Uh, so, and Jamie Foxx and all this stuff. I, I don't think we saw Jamie Foxx in the trailer. I think we only saw Alfred Molina. Is that right? You, you, you see lightning. Okay. So, so, so here, here's the people, here's the people that were basically teased, basically the sinister six. Yeah. You got that, that, got the, th- that the pumpkin bomb was there. So, so you got green, so you got uh, green goblin, you've got electric, you potentially have Sandman and Lizard, and then you have Doc Ock, and you and there's even strong speculation that you might even have Harry Osborn played by James Franco. Oh, really? Well, oh, that would be interesting. That would be a twist that I had not expected. Yeah, so that that's that voice in the trailer that says, "But you may as well, right? Like you said, let's let's party, you know, let's bring everything in here." Yeah, I mean, s- somebody mentioned, I think it was Andrew Meyer in the fan group. He mentioned um, that uh, that voice in the trailer where the screen goes dark and says, "Be careful what you wish for, Parker." He, he, he brought it up, and I think a couple people jumped in. They're like, "Yeah, that that's that's Franco." That sounds exactly oh, like James Franco. Like yeah, that, that sounds okay. like him because some people thought it was Dr. Strange, but people played it with a bunch of clips comparing how bad at Cumberbatch talks. The voice analysis uh, nerds are on it. They're, they're on Same as the Mephisto nerds, because apparently Mephisto's in the movie because they saw someone draw devil horns on a picture of Peter, because obviously that means Mephisto. Now I'm never going to believe Mephisto's appearing in anything ever again until I see it. happen. I don't think he's coming back. I don't think he's coming in. He's never been here, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's, it's going to be a film that, it's just going to be absolute fan service. And ultimately I think they saw, I, th- I think Marvel has to thank Sony more for anything because really if, if it hadn't been for enter the spider verse, well, I think we would have gone into the multiverse realm of things. I mean, that film, despite the fact that it's animated, despite the fact that it was not MCU ran. Um, I mean, the fact that that film did so well and it's so universally loved showed them that, you know, audiences can dig this. You know, I, I just want to see I want to see Japanese Spider-Man <laughs> with Leopolda, the giant robot. Oh, I want man. him to scream. I am the emissary from hell. Spider-Man. I, I want to see that. That's how I'll be happy. That's a, you, you do that. And I will never complain. If we're going multiverse, you may as well go all the way. And nothing, nothing would surprise me at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, I am excited for it. I don't know if I'm more excited because it just all it did was confirm all the stuff I've been reading about for months. It feels months good, months. though. Feels yeah, good. but it feels good. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is real. This is real. This is a multiverse fucking movie. So we're going to get all this crazy shit that I've been hearing about. And and if, if this much is confirmed now, I really have no doubt we're going to get Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in this thing. I don't think they're going to show it to us until the movie because they want people to be surprised. But th- there's no doubt that this is what's happening at this point. Oh, I think it's going to be in the second trailer. Oh, okay, maybe maybe they will reveal it. Yeah. The the only other thing that we didn't mention in terms of like potential people who will make a spotlight, um, Matt Murdock. They're saying that we might get Charlie Cox's Daredevil in the film. Yeah, I think that's almost confirmed or heavily rumored enough that I. Believe. Well, people are going off of the, the, this idea that when Peter's in the interrogation room at the NYPD, that his lawyer is the guy 
uh, with with his sleeves rolled up, wearing the vest, and they're like, "That looks like Charlie Cox." And I'm like, "All we have is a, a guy." Forearm. Yeah, you're going by his forearm. That's literally it. It's I like, tell me the forearm anywhere. Tell me those aren't Charlie Cox's hands. I'm like, I, I don't know. He's it's a generic white guy. Like maybe, maybe. I mean, I would love to see that. But For Remzo, all these white dudes' forearms look exactly the same. All of them. All of them. Quote me on that. That that is probably the biggest stretch. Because if they if they're gonna do that, then that also insinuates that maybe they're not completely done with the Netflix era of Marvel. But at the same time, it's like, you know. Marvel is at this weird point where they're readjusting their continuity. Uh, we already saw that through the Loki TV show, they've basically written out uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, they basically also said that through, uh, you know, the whole Captain Carter what if era, they're basically also going to ignore everything that happened with um, uh, Agent Carter, that TV series, despite the fact that we saw some of the actors from that, like the guy who played Jarvis in the show, like he appeared in Avengers Endgame. So I think Marvel is going through a phase where something really great's going to happen and something really controversial is going to happen. I think the really great thing is that now, like all the intro films for all the newbies and shit like that, now they're just going to get weird now it's for the fans who have already been giving them billions of dollars they're just going all in on that and i freaking love it and then the controversial thing is like if you liked agents of shield and stuff i'm sorry but it doesn't matter anymore it's it's been written out well that works out great for me because i never saw one episode of agents of shield or one episode of agent carter and i'm totally fine with that yeah, so I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you're either gonna love it or you won't. But uh, they, they they need to readjust. They've got over uh, eleven, uh, thirteen years, thirteen years of of films and TV shows and everything in between. Like it was gonna get to the point where it got so big they had to readjust and shed some fat. So you know, I think this film. Uh, I don't know how many Spider-Man films are in Tom Holland's contract, but even if there's more than just this, I recall reading that he was supposed to have two more after this. Now that, like, as part of the new deal. But was it signed with Sony, or was it still a joint contract? That's that's the question. And that's what I don't know. Yeah. So that I mean, his two more films after this could be a Venom, a Venom crossover movie, and a, a Craven crossover movie, and you have no idea. So it can mean anything. Yeah. I'm excited about it either way. I was already excited about it. I'm just I, I think i agree with you i just just seeing alvin merlina on the screen as dr octopus is like all right i'm in i'm in take my money i'm gonna go see it five times i might i might oh, I not like it but i'm still gonna go see it five times <laughs> no matter what just on principle right <laughs> uh spe- speaking of which if you're if you're good at moving on past this the one movie I that i the, the one movie that i thought i was gonna watch like five times i've only seen once now i gen- generally don't have an urge to go and watch it again it's uh, James Gunn's new Suicide Squad movie. And that is funny because I've actually seen that twice now. <laughs> oh, how the tables have turned! It's not that I don't, it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't like it. I just I saw it and it's like uh, I'm good. It was very very fun. I, I I saw it on my birthday and I was uh, under some sort of um, influence that will go undescribed. But let's makes just say it funner. If you like to watch movies under some kind of influence, I encourage you to watch this one that way. But uh, yeah, I, I I just it was. All the fun that it, the first movie should have been, uh, which just wasn't very fun at all. Uh, and I think it's just a perfect movie for fans that just want to watch a fun freaking comic book movie and not think too hard about it. Uh, even if you're like a diehard and you, you were someone that, I don't know, really liked the first Suicide Squad movie for some reason, uh, that was fine. You could continue from that and take this as a sequel, has a, an, enough couple references and couple of the same characters uh, that you can just take it as a continuation. Or you could ignore that it ever existed 
as some might be want to do and and just take it as its own its own kind of thing and i think uh taken either way it just worked really well and at the end of the day you cannot i mean Margot Robbie is the most one of the most perfectly cast characters in the history of of comic book casting. I mean, she is just so perfect as Harley Quinn. Yeah, she is the Harley Quinn. What Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, exactly. At this point, no one, no one else could play that character uh, convincingly, and it would just, it would just not seem right. And I can't say that has held true of. Heck, hardly anyone. I mean, I looked at Michael Keaton that way for a long time. I know I'm old school. No, not everyone sees him as the one true Batman, but I do. And uh, even even the other iterations, like I think Christian Bale did a great Clark Kent. Not as much a great you mean Batman, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, Clark Kent, Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he would be a decent. Well, multiverse is that. <laughs> I'm all in these weird multiverses now, and I, I like you, am a supporter of Batfleck. I really do enjoy him as old grizzled uh, Batman. But to me, I mean, Michael Keaton is the best Batman of all time. Just that's no one's going to convince me otherwise. Um, but like to like this character, I can at least accept other people playing Batman. I don't think I could ever even accept someone else playing Harley Quinn at this point because it's just so perfect. There are a few actresses who sometimes I, I get confused and think they're Margot Robbie. And so I actually look and I'm like, they're not Margot Robbie. Whoever these are, they are not her. I also recently watched uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I've seen it before. Obviously, my wife hadn't seen it, though. So we watched Wolf of Wall Street. Oof. There you go. She, she does good work, Remzo. That's all I'm going to say. She's committed to her craft. The only the only other thing that could raise her, you know, you know who she needs to play, Remzo, for every for all of us here. Emma Frost. Oh, God. Margot Robbie is Emma Frost. Bring it. Remzo will not be married anymore if that happens. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to go to marriage counseling for that one. Um, you know, with, so with it the, all started with this comic book. <laughs> Where did things start to go wrong? I, I, I liked the Suicide Squad. Like, I have really nothing negative to say about it. Like, it was it, it felt like it didn't try and be more than just an action film. Yeah. which I, I did appreciate. I mean, people have been comparing it to guardians, but really it's uh, I, I don't think it's very comparable. I think in the, in the humor aspect, the humor and the fact that it's just a movie that has fun with itself. I think those are the only things that really has in common. And you know, you can, I guess some of the vibe is there, but they're very different movies too. Yeah. Like I think the, the one thing I will say is that I had, I had a uh, lower expectations for Idris Ilba and I had higher expectations for John Cena just because they were hyping it up. Uh, and, and it's, it's not to say, I don't think Idris Ilba is a great actor. I think he's probably like the, if he's not Hollywood's leading man, it's gotta be like, you know, Henry Calville in the back, but I would make an argument that Idris Ilba is what's bringing people to see movies that they wouldn't otherwise watch right now. I think he's Hollywood's leading man right now. The whole reason I saw cats. I mean, you know, hashtag release the butthole cut. But, um, you know, I, I, I really was impressed because like this wasn't his typical, you know, grizzled action, uh, kick ass character. Like this was somebody who could be self deprecating and a little bit funny, but he also brings that, Oh man, he can kick your ass factor. And I didn't know that they were going to lean on him as much as the person to carry this movie. And he, and he really did. So I think, you know, I, I was really impressed with how they, they had his character of blood sport with that said, I had really high expectations of John Cena's peacemaker because he had been hyped up so much for this film. And honestly, like I can't, name a scene in the movie where he was in it, where it's like, I genuinely like, if I had to think of a scene that was his funniest. I can't really think of any, he said some funny stuff. There were some funny scenes, but really like what you see in the trailers is really that I am a John Cena. Mark, you might say, obviously I'm a huge uh, professional wrestling f- fan, but could uh, you see how- him? 
That's how I know. I can see him. I did see him this past weekend at SummerSlam. Uh, that, that's how I'm connected to our good friends on the North-South Connection feed. Um, Justin over there, who's one of the co-founders of that feed, where you can find this podcast every single Sunday, like clockwork. Uh, we actually met at my very first job in 2000, my very first post-college job, I should say. I had other jobs before that, but my first like TV job post-college, um, I met Justin and we we formed our friendship over our mutual love for professional wrestling. Uh, so we've we've been like friends since then and that's how i i got you know that, that's how they, uh, 12 13 years later he would start a wrestling podcast and i just as i was getting back into wrestling and comics so the synergy was just right there and and here we are now so be sure to if you're if you're not listening to us on the north south feed uh continue to listen to us on the second print comics connection feed connection feed <laughs> podcast wow. feed but do check out the north south feed uh where you get a ton of pro wrestling related content and lots of uh pop culture content our friend jenny does does her shows over there uh there's so much fun stuff on the north south south connection feed so we love you jenny uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, to, to me, like, I, I actually kind of agree with you. Like I, I was looking forward a lot to, to the John Cena aspect of this movie and I can't, I wouldn't say he was bad. He was fine. He played the role of peacemaker that as he was supposed to play it, I'm sure just fine. But yeah, something, something kind of fell flat with it for me as well. Like it didn't, it didn't blow me away. I wasn't on the floor holding my side to the John Cena moments kind of as much as I expected to. And he, he played the role well, like he plays this kind of like straightforward character who's kind of there for our comic release but he's not comedic himself and I, I think he just played the, the role perfectly fine but like you said some I think I think what you said is is true like we saw the funny moments we saw them in the trailer and you know everything else is kind of straightforward now we're gonna see more from this character because I, I'm I'm sure you're aware of this uh, and they they did tease us in the post credit scene but uh, this character is returning he's returning to his own HBO Max I'm not sure if it's a series or a movie but it's it's an HBO Max project that that's coming from uh, yeah it's yeah. it's gonna be a they we all know if it's a limited series or if it's ongoing. I don't think that part necessarily matters, but it's going to be, uh, it has actually wrapped up filming. So it's in post-production. It was once again, written and directed by James Gunn and it's called fuck it's peacemaker. And, uh, if you saw it's the called ed- fuck, it's peacemaker, it's called fuck. It's peace. It's peacemaker. <laughs> really? they, they it's, it's HBO max. Oh, so that's you, great. Yeah. So, so fuck it's peacemaker. And, uh, if you saw the end of the film, the end credit scene, then obviously it wasn't that big of a surprise, but like, as that happened, even though they had announced it beforehand and you know, like I'll, I'll go ahead and spoil it. They quote, kill him at the end of the movie and then the end credits you find out oh no he's alive and it sets up that's the why TV it's not show. really a spoiler <laughs> yeah i mean if if that if if, you spo- if if that spoiled it for you like I, i'm not even sorry like there was so much stuff out there about this it shouldn't have been a surprise but like when i saw that i almost was like do i really want a peacemaker tv show like do i and like 10 years ago, I would have never said that. I'm like, give me all the all the superhero comic book content you can. I almost feel like we're at a point where it's like, I think I'm good. I don't think I don't think I want this. Like, I'll watch it. But, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't wowed. I, I will certainly watch it. But, yeah, that that wasn't the highlight of the movie for me as much as I, I expected it to be. I, I think what's the, the funniest thing about it, though, is that when I watched it, one thing for me was definitely confirmed. Is that they absolutely just swapped out Deadshot for Bloodsport, and yeah, they acted like they didn't, but they did. It was it was literally like there is definitely, and I think somebody from Warner Brothers actually leaked this that several times during filming. Uh, James Gunn accidentally called uh, 
uh, Bloodsport Deadshot. <laughs> I mean, so, some things didn't even make sense too. They even like Bloodsport even like said like, oh yeah, like I go way back with Rick Flag. We're old friends or something. It was like you shouldn't be friends if you just came onto the team just now and were a villain before. Well, well, they Actually. said they were they they said they were former special forces together or something okay. like that. But it felt like one of those things that's like canned in there to force the per- character progression. So you could see like some patchwork in there. And like, come on, you're telling me that you have a guy who's basically dead shot, who's only uh, route to being a partially good guy is his daughter. And that he also has this code of ethics where it's like he's also not really a villain, but he does bad stuff like shoot Superman with the kryptonite bullet bullet. So, you know, he's bad. That was totally dead shot because they wanted Will Smith to return. And Will Smith was like, nah, the last movie fucking sucks. <laughs> I'm not coming back. All Warner Brothers did was switch out one black guy for another black guy and just make some name changes to the script. Otherwise, as much as I as much as I liked Idris Elba and Bloodsport, uh, it was it was Deadshot. Like it, 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 it was. And it was just kind of odd in a way, because in the back of my head, that's, you know, I just kept thinking that. So, you know, I, 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 uh, I think. I think uh, Polka Dot Man was my uh, was my oh, favorite Polka breakout. Yeah, he he was. He, I think he was the breakout of the film. Um, how, how do you feel about the very beginning of the film, where it's like all the characters that they had been teasing uh, basically get killed off within the first five minutes, and they they even managed to kill off Captain Boomerang, who was such a main part of the first Suicide Squad film. I, I loved all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they, I mean, they made us think, here's your new Suicide Squad team, even showed us the whole introduction and everything. And then, yeah, they're all dead, <laughs> except for basically Harley Quinn and, and Rick Flagg from there. And then, then we see the, the backup team. They were just the, I mean, I, I, I mean, okay, we've already spoiled a few things. I thought that was smart. Yeah, like I thought that was smart. Uh, but yeah, I really thought it was smart. Uh, also, King Shark. King Shark was an, was an absolute blast of a character. And I... I don't know. This is King Shark, the character. There are some in the Eric Larson community. <laughs> there is an Eric Larson uh, Savage Dragon. There's some in the Savage Dragon community that believe that King Shark is based on a Savage Dragon, Dragon character, Mako, uh, who has been in the book since the, since the early 90s. King Shark was a character, I believe, that came out later than that. Um, so that is, is quite possible. And if you want to go even earlier, uh, Eric Larson created Mako when he was a kid writing graphic fantasy. So uh, I, I, I don't know if he's based on, on Mako, but to me, uh, this character was like, was it was how I envisioned Mako looking in a book in a movie, and and this that's how King Shark was. So I had an extra sort of meta level of fan enjoyment seeing in my mind Mako brought to life as King Shark. Now the King Shark character is a very different character than Mako. Uh, Mako like you know speaks speaks like a regular human and is just really mean and everything. Whereas King Shark is kind of he's kind of like the uh, the Drax of this movie. I, I guess you could say in a way he's kind of like seen as like the dumb savage who gets all a lot of these like funny one liners and funny moments. He was supposed to technically be and I think James Gunn did this on purpose. He's actually I would I would compare him to more of like a Groot because in the comics, King Shark only says one thing. King King Shark says King Shark is a shark. What do you think about that King Shark? King Shark is a shark. Like, that's what he says. So if they had done that again, where it's another celebrity, like, I, I, I still meet people who don't realize this. That was Sylvester Stallone as King Shark. Yeah. That's the most acting he's done in a while. And he got paid a ridiculous amount of money to do that. So, you know, no the one analogy wa- works there, too. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wanted it to be like Vin Diesel, where he felt where he records. I am Groot for an hour across multiple movies gets paid billions to tweet stuff 
And then, you know, it's just another person CGI doing it. Whereas with, uh, with, with King shark, I think, I think James Gunn kind of realized that. So that's why he didn't have him give his classic King shark is a shark line all the time. He actually gave him some custom lines, which were funny. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. I was like the King shark character had far more comedic moments uh, to me than John Cena, as did Polka Dot Man. Yeah. Uh, as did arguably even Starro. What did you think of Starro? I, I think um, that was literally the best choice they could have done for this film, because l- l- let's be honest, the first Suicide Squad with uh, with uh, Enchantress and everything else, like it, it took itself so seriously. It was impossible to look at that and think, God, this was their best choice for a villain. Like with this one, you know, we're dealing with another potential like, oh, this villain could bring about the end of the world scenario. But at the same time, it's like we could be ridiculous with this. So by choosing Starro, one, you not only actually brought like a very serious, like, you know, possible world ending villain to the stage, but he also just looks so stupid on screen. It's perfect. So I actually think how they um, how they introduced him in and how they had Starro fit into the whole scheme of the film. I, I think it's probably one of, <laughs> dare I say, one of the better DCEU villain choices for a film. Yeah, I mean, I, it's one villain that, I mean, I, I it's not the vil- a kind of character that I had ever even imagine seeing on a screen before and that, that's just what i what i really enjoyed about it so much was that seeing this character come to life um in a, in a way that was just visually awesome was uh i think written in a really interesting way and to the point that by the by the end of the movie i actually felt more sympathy i think for starro than maybe any of the any of the members of the suicide squad that were there uh trying to defeat starro once they realized you know what what they're that they're you know they, they already knew that, know that they're the suicide squad and everything Thing, but they decided to actually be heroes because they were told to just let Starro just go crazy and basically just destroy the whole island where they were like, and that's when they kind of made the decision like, no, we're actually going to do a heroic thing here and, and stop this thing. But I mean, that, that one line from Starro right before the, you know, totally, you know, went away and had, you know, taken over these, you know, many of the citizens of this island. Uh, the one character just says like, I was happy. I was so happy just, just staring at the stars. And I was like, ah, oh, Starro, buddy. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's not his fault. He was captured and held in this thing for for God knows how long. Experimented on by uh, what was the character? The th- was it the thinker? Thinker, yeah. Starro in fifteen minutes had more character depth than any of the DC film villains that we've seen so far. More than more than Tom Holland Spider Man. More than Tom Holland Spider Man. <laughs> you could definitely make that argument. <laughs> But Starro is a better developed character than, than Tom Holland Spider Man. Uh, I mean, better but, than Zod, better than Lex Luthor, a yeah. billion times better than Steppenwolf. I don't even remember the villains from like you know Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman. I don't even remember those villains at this point. Starro is number one in the DCEU. He's right yeah, on there, top. There's a strong case for that. Yeah, especially since we'll we'll, we'll uh, yeah I, I would I would say it was Zack Snyder Steppenwolf, but uh, according to Warner Brothers, we need to stop talking about it now. So if you're sticking me with, um, you know, the Whedon, we're not version, allowed to talk about Zack Snyder Steppenwolf or the Snyder cut. Well, well, they they don't want us to talk about either because yeah, they're, they're just they're like it's it. one and done. They're we're, like we're we did it, on. we put it out. Just shut up. Yeah. So if I if I'm stick if I'm stuck with a testicle head Steppenwolf from the Whedon version, then yeah, so Starro is the number one villain in the DCEU. What do you think? Or do you want do you want to do a quick rating for this movie? What'd you get? What would you give this movie? You know, story wise, like I I really liked it. 
you know, action was great. It was all there. I'll give it a seven point five. I had a, I had eight out of ten in my head, so not not too far off. I, I just think it was, you know, this is not a. You know what? You know what would have done it for me if they had shown more Weasel. Oh, yeah, I love Weasel. My, my only my my favorite line in that entire film is the Weasel is dead. I repeat, the Weasel is dead. And uh, Amanda Waller is like, did anyone see if the Weasel could swim? And no <laughs> one says anything. <laughs> They all just look at each other awkwardly like, uh. <laughs> and, uh, what's his name's character in the beginning The uh, I can't remember his name. The, the one that tried to save weasel. Oh, that? uh, savant Michael Rooker's yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was great. I think, I think starting off with Michael Rooker and, you know, killing him when they did, that was, I was, I, at first I was upset. I'm a big Michael Rooker fan, but like it was, they, they made it work. They made it work. The whole movie worked for me. I mean, I would just, I, I, I yeah, I, I think I already did say I'll, I'll give it an eight out of 10. You know, this is not, you know, dancing with wolves or anything, but uh, it is, it's a really enjoyable movie so much so that I watched it twice and Remzo watched it once confounding, absolutely confounding. Yeah. I, I would equate it. So did you ever see smoking aces? No, I have not seen that film. Ah, oh, it, it's from, it, it's, it's like this underrated film. It's got Ben Affleck, Chris Pine, uh, Stanley Tucci. Like you, it's got a ton of like real highbrow actors in this film. And for some weird reason, like 2007, when it came out, it was just like, nobody talked about it, but it's actually a really good action flick. And if you watch smoke and aces, you're going to watch that and you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, that's the birds of prey movie. Oh my gosh. That's the suicide squad. I, I've noticed that they've all kind of followed the same kind of generic format and flow and stuff like that. And it, it all reminds me of Smoke and Aces. So if you've never seen Smoke and Aces, uh, go go watch that movie. And it's it's literally I feel like this and Birds of Prey were, were kind of copycats in a way. But what do I know? All right. Well, at the end of the day, pretty good film. I recommend watching it. I recommend Remzo actually watches it a second time like he did for Wonder Woman. You think it's going to um, get a sequel? You think we're going to get the The Suicide Squad? <laughs> just keep adding thes on the front. I don't know, because supposedly it didn't do that great. People are saying anyway, but it's hard, it's hard to judge movies by the old metrics now because it did have a, you know an HBO Max release and you don't pay extra for that like you do on Disney. So maybe it's hard to judge box office in the same way because even with the disney movies they do you know they have that 30 dollar fee so they can still judge you know how much money is being taken in that way um but i don't know i i'd like to see another one i'd like him to keep doing these because uh, to me they're they're fun you know so I'll, I'll keep i'll keep watching them if james gunn keeps making them but i don't need to see any any airs cuts or anything like that i would i would rather see more suicide squad than any of the other dc films at this point yeah me too for sure. Oh, speaking of DC films real fast, but only because you brought it up earlier, uh, Michael Keaton returning in the flash film. Uh, he's basically confirmed that he doesn't just have like a couple scenes. Like Michael Keaton is a big part of the flash film. And uh, apparently he will have more appearances in this film than even Ben Affleck. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, I'm a, I'm actually a fan of both the, both those actors as Batman. So I, I'm excited to see as much Michael Keaton as they want to give me, uh, in that flash movie. And, uh, you know, just, just like Marvel's going into the multiverse, DC is going into the multiverse here as well. And, uh, maybe this opens things up to have a world where the Snyder verse exists. 
the extended universe movies maybe exist in their own films. This other Batman movie with Robert Pattinson exists and maybe they all exist and and in sort of the same shared multiverse, so to speak. And heck at this point may as well, you know, may as well go balls out with this stuff. And I, 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 but I'm super excited to see Michael Keaton back in this, back in this role. I'm just, I'm very curious what, what sort of Batman he's going to play. And from what I understand, he is supposed to basically play like that exact same. He's not just like playing some Batman. He's playing that. He is Tim Burton's Batman. Right. He is the Batman that we saw in Batman and Batman Returns. Um, So I'm excited about that. And um, I'm excited to see how they use that character. Do they they use him more like a Thomas Wayne Batman? Not not as obviously Thomas Wayne Batman. He's going to be playing Bruce Wayne, but he's going to be like an older Batman. So is he going to play more of that type of role since this is is like a Flashpoint movie? Is he going to be the Batman when the Flash goes and tries to save his dad and messes up the whole thing? Or are we are, and like what the other thing I'm curious, are we going to see the Batman's together or, or is, is it going to be like, you know, B- Batfleck is in this universe, then flash messes things up and now has now is in this universe with the Michael Keaton, Batman or, or what? And I'm, I'm kind of more curious than anything else. How, what kind of interaction we're going to see between Michael Keaton, Batman and Batfleck. I hope, I hope some, but it, it's possible. It's none. They might just be separate Batman that the flash interacts with along his journey here. So either way, I'm really excited about it. Cause to me, the more Michael Keaton, the better in general, I just think he's a fantastic actor, but specifically as Batman and the fact that he's playing this Batman, this actual Batman that I grew up absolutely loving. And that I think truly does hold up as well. Uh, I'm super excited about it. You think it's kind of weird that we've been talking about this movie for almost two years now. And the least exciting thing about it is the flash. (laughs) Yeah, by far. Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, all, the all the all the flash updates about this film are about Keaton and Affleck. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't even know if for, for all I know, uh, the guy playing the flash is the one from the, the WB TV series. I mean, that, that's how that's how little I've even thought about uh, Ezra Miller, the, the fact that he's playing the flash or what's happening with the flash character or where that's even going by far to me, the most exciting part of this is the Batman aspect. Uh, you know, both both bat, both seeing Batfleck and Tim Burton in this, uh, Tim, Tim, and Tim Burton. I don't know if Tim Burton's going to be in it. That would be amazing too. Uh, but seeing both of those Batman and how they interact, how they tie into the story, how they tie into this greater multiverse. Like that's what I'm excited about. The, the fact they're using flash as the tool to get us there. That's fine. And that seems to me the most sort of logical tool to use considering how that character has been used in DC. It's his first movie though. And it's almost like, I feel like I would have been happier if they named the film justice league flashpoint. Because we're not just getting them, we're also getting uh, the introduction of the DCEU Supergirl. Uh, we're, we're getting uh, some other characters here and there. So it's like, it feels weird that for the Flash's first solo film outing, the least important thing about the film is yeah. him. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, the other than Zack Snyder's version of Justice League, almost all of these DC movies have disappointed me in some way. Although some, some have grown on me as I've gone along. Uh, honestly, the, the funny thing, the, the movie that disappointed me the least, I would actually say is Aquaman. And I don't think I'm not saying that because I think it's a great movie. Oh, I, I would, I would say Shazam because Shazam, I, I would say as a standalone film, Shazam is probably neck and neck with man of steel. I liked it. I, I think I think I need to give it a second watch. I feel like I watch it maybe a bit distracted or something because I, I liked it, but I, I don't think I love it as much as others love it. But I can't really say why. So I think it's one of those that needs a second look. For you me. know what I think it is? I watch it as a Christmas movie. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not shitting you. I watch it every Christmas now. Every Christmas. It's been out for what, like two years? About three years, yeah. 
So Shazam is a backdoor Christmas movie. We should do a podcast called Backdoor Christmas Movie. <laughs> Episode one, Shazam. We'll get balls deep into that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it just feels weird. It's like, I think, and this is going back to our thing about Spider-Man. I think the studios have lost the ability to do a solo superhero movie that's just about being a good film. I think that's why, honestly, the one film that I'm really, really excited about is The Batman with um with uh the, the guy Pattinson. who yeah i mean Robert Pattinson. yeah i mean who, who's the director for that uh uh reeves uh yeah, matt, reeves. matt reeves yeah like matt reeves uh who did seven no he didn't do seven did he do seven why don't you talk about why you're excited about the movie while i do internet research yeah so i mean they, they've said it outside of continuity they've said that it's not going to be you know giant universe bait it's uh you know they're they're going back to really the the idea of a good solo superhero movie. Matt Reeves directed um, the mo- the biggest ones he's done are um, the the last two. He did War of the Planet of the Apes and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That's it. Those are good films. He also did uh, Let Me In. Have you ever seen that? That's a great. That's a really good horror film. Time to bring this story up. This is a story. He also directed a movie starring uh, David Schwimmer called The Pallbearer. <laughs> which I actually have a story about this and I, I, I think it's I've appropriate. I've never now, heard uh, about that, that movie. This came up. I've never seen the movie. Uh, I just know it's a movie with David Schwimmer and I assume it's bad. Uh, so when I, and, and when I was just out of college, maybe a year or two out of college, sometime in the early two thousands here, uh, I was drinking quite heavily at a bar with some friends of mine in Los Angeles and, uh, where obviously a lot of famous actors live and you often see them out in the wild. So, uh, my friends and I were sitting and we saw David Schwimmer, uh, just sitting with a woman on a date. And, uh, of course, uh, decided to mess with him, uh, cause we're young assholes. And, uh, so my <laughs> friend bet me twenty dollars which to which honestly at th- this time in my life that was a big deal like twenty dollars <laughs> was huge that was amazing like i think i had forty dollars like left over at the end of the month after i paid my bills when i first moved to la so like i just like doubled my disposable or like i, I just raised my disposable income by like 50 percent. so i'm in for whatever is getting me that twenty dollars and my friend um said all right go up to uh david trimmer and just uh, you need to ask him um, how, when is the Paul bearer two coming out? And, uh, so I go up to David Schwimmer and he's on a date and I, I you know, I'm, I just go like, Hey man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Uh, I just want to let you know, I'm like, I'm a huge fan. I, I really love your work. I really love your, your, the movies, uh, friends. I just absolutely love it. It's like, Oh, thanks a lot, man. And then I go, I just, I just have to know, uh, my friends and I were all wondering when is Paul bearer two coming out? And he, and he immediately, his face changed. Like, yeah, he totally bought me in the beginning. His face went from smiling to like not smiling at all and he really it just goes yeah real funny man real funny man <laughs> and i was like i'm sorry man i got i, I made 20 bucks doing that i thank, i'm sorry but and i just walked away <laughs> and I got my 20 bucks. probably bought like four more beers with that in, in uh, 2004 <laughs> that's my story about david trimmer and the paul bear and if david trimmer is listening to this podcast i apologize i was a little asshole there, there's no reason for that uh i hope i didn't ruin your night i hope things went well with that young lady she's she looked very lovely so <laughs> Bet you didn't expect a story about David Schwimmer on this episode. But we're all better for it. And I hope that I hope that Matt Reeves' Batman uh, releases a trailer soon. This makes me want to go watch the Paul Bearer to judge Matt Reeves' early early director. I'm, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to go see a trailer for that after this. We'll do a live watch of the Paul Bear. Oh my gosh! But uh, but yeah. So I mean, I I wish I, I wish we could just have good solo superhero movies again. I'm looking forward to Shang Chi. Shang-Chi, I think you're supposed to pronounce it. And that seems to potentially be one of those. So, although I'm already a little bit like, all right, they're, they're going to superhero with this. Because Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi in the comics has no powers. 
He's just freaking really good at martial arts. <laughs> like that's his whole thing. And already in the movie, it appears like it's all about him getting the 10 rings and giving, getting powers. And who knows, maybe they'll surprise me and he will end up just being really good at martial arts. But um, I mean, yeah, I I've read some Chang-Chi books. Uh, I stumbled upon one when I was, uh, when I hit the random Marvel, the random comic button on the Marvel Co- uh, unlimited app to do an episode of the random Marvel comics podcast, which you can hear exclusively on the second print, Patreon, patreon.com slash second print pod. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed uh, that. It caused me to go and read some other Shang-Chi stories. And it's, it's just like, they're just really interesting because they take place in this Marvel universe and, you know, he, he battles, you know, villainy type villains, but he does it all with, with wits and martial arts and with friends of, you know, help from his friends in the British special service. And it's just, it's just like fun. It's just really fun stuff. It's literally Bruce Lee from enter the dragon. He is just Bruce Lee. So yeah. it seems like he's going to be something different in this movie. And I'm, I'm very open to it and excited about it. But it does seem like it's going to be you know slightly different than the comics where he's just really freaking good at martial arts. But we'll see. Well, yeah, my, my only criticism isn't even of what they're saying the film is going to be. It's the fact that in the recent trailer, they intro the trailer by showing clips from other Marvel movies to solidify that once again, this is an MCU film as if we didn't already know already, but it's one of the situations where it's like, you know, just, they just want people to know. Cause they don't, cause most people at home aren't going to recognize Shang-Chi. They're like, this is in that thing. This is that thing you love. You pay, we make millions off this, go pay for this thing. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I think it's going to be good. I I've been looking forward to it for a while. Um, I, I like uh, the one change they made by making uh, his father the Mandarin and by making the Mandarin not necessarily the Mandarin from the comics, but really someone that's more authentic to the idea of the character, but also fits into what's been established in the MCU. So basically, his name is Wen Wu. He's a completely new version of the Mandarin created for the MCU. Uh, they will be referencing the whole uh, Trevor Slattery Mandarin switcheroo from Iron Man 3, but they're they're really saying that they really focused on him being a, a transformational villain instead of just a one-off Marvel villain. So I don't know what they mean by that. I think what that basically means is that he's actually going to be memorable for once. I think it means like, no, we ha- this one's going to be good. I don't even know who the bad guy for the upcoming Marvel films is. Like, we don't know who it's going to be for... We don't, we don't even know who's going to be for Multiverse of Madness. And Multiverse for Madness... <laughs> the multiverse is the villain. Isn't that, isn't that coming out before or after No Way Home? It's coming out after right now. I believe uh, Multiverse of Madness is scheduled for March of 2022. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Well, and anyway, like if, if they want to give us an actual Mandarin, who's actually more like the one from the comics, I'm cool with it because I've been pissed off at Iron Man three ever since they did that bullshit. And uh, if it's going to be in a, a Shang-Chi film, like let, let it be, man, I'm, I'm all for it. I've loved the trailer so far. I, I grew up on a TNT Kung Fu Sundays and everything else. Like, you know, Enter, Enter the Dragon and uh, Legend of the Fist are some of my favorite martial arts films. So if they're going to you know try and do something in that vein. Let it be. Yeah, well, I know who's not going to be in this movie because in the comics. Mephisto. Uh, <laughs> no, Mephisto, Mephisto might be. In the comics, um, uh, Shang-Chi's father is Fu Manchu. Yeah, I didn't want to bring him up. also a villain and is the most absolutely... And I'm not one to get worked up about these things. I'm not worked up about this, but it's true. Is like a completely the most 
blatantly stereotypically racist Asian character you can possibly dream up in your mind. That is that is Fu Manchu. I mean, that is what Fu Manchu is. Is the is the 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 absolute like image of a like a racist stereotypical Asian person that you would not that would never be published or never exist in in 2021. But uh, that's why you're not going to see this character. I would even say back then it was still bad. That's what I'm saying. It was was always probably bad. It was probably really bad even then when it was okay to do bad stuff. But yeah, like that, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they did that. I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to get into that, but I think, I think you did it great. It's like, yeah, sometimes changes are good. Yeah. Like, like I, I think you and I are as far from like a woke SJW like person you could possibly be. But even I, I am willing to say like, no, that was pretty fucking racist (laughs) when, when something is, you know? And uh, yeah, that one is. So I think I think that's a that's an okay change. That's a change I'm okay with. Yeah, I'm 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 totally cool with that. So, uh, you know, it's it, it's also funny too because the the actor who's playing Shang Chi, it's so funny because like years ago, like a decade ago, he had tweeted at Marvel. He was already uh, big in like the Chinese film industry. He was like, "Hey, good job, Marvel, with all these other films. How about introducing, uh, you know, an, an Asian character?" Hashtag Shang Chi. And then they for this, right into his DMs. That was that was fan cast. If there ever if there ever was one, because people had been lobbying for him forever, almost as much as like, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange. That's one of the most amazing things about fanhood now is that like now we like fans, if there's enough of a movement, you really can cast movies. I mean, fans made Ryan Reynolds Deadpool. Yeah, but look what they did. Sonic the Hedgehog. They postponed yeah. the whole film and they had to go back and re-edit how Sonic looked because fans were so mad. Yeah, that's the only reason why some people went to go see that movie, because they had bullied the creators so much that they felt they had an obligation to go pay to see the movie. We got an awesome, 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 unexpectedly awesome Joker from Jared Leto that we didn't get in the Suicide Squad just because everyone wanted us to, uh, you know, want to bring back the Snyder Cut. And that, that yeah. to me, that's one of the best parts. The best things that came out of that movie it was a glimmer that, oh, OK, he does do a good Joker. We just didn't get to see it before. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes, you know, some people call it like toxic fandom. Sometimes toxic fandom is good. Like if it leads to stuff like this, speaking of Joker stories, I wasn't going to talk about this too much. Cause, cause uh, you brought it up. I know before the show, uh, when we were talking about what we're going to talk about today, I know you wanted to talk about Titan season three. Now I, I had never seen a Titans episode, but last night I figured why not? Remzo wants to talk about this a little bit. So funny story about me and Titans season three. Um, I just turned it on. I decided, you know, I was a little intimidated at first. I was like, do I need to watch the first two seasons? And I was like, screw it. I'm just going to turn on this first episode of season three and see what happens. And they go, they start freaking hot. I don't even know if there's any backstory in this season or they were introducing the character, but we meet, uh, we meet Jason Todd and we, within minutes, we see him being murdered <laughs> by the Joker, fucking killing joke style. And I was just, I, it pulled me right in. I, I was totally in. Funny thing is, and this is not, I was actually getting into the, the episode. Like, I, I think I do want to go back and, and keep watching it. Uh, but I did this like late at night and I, I Remzo, I'm an old man now. I, I can't really stay up too late past 10 or 11 without a lot, a lot of effort. So I fell asleep mid episode um, and I woke up probably two episodes or three episodes later to the red hood being violent as shit. And I was like, oh shit, this is where I wanted to get to. But like, I, I miss everything that got me there. So I'll say from the little bit of this show I've seen, 
I really liked it. And now I do actually want to go back and I'm not sure if you can tell me how, if, if the first two seasons are worth watching, but from what I've seen of the third season, I'm interested. So I, I, you know, my old man sleepiness kept me from, from telling you more about, about the series, but, uh, from the little tidbits I've seen, I, I do like it. So fire away. What, what are you excited about? I, I've got, I've got a love hate relationship with Titans. Uh, I've got to do a Remso rant about this one day, get in more detail, but I can tell you that you're absolutely fine. Not going back and watching seasons one and two. Um, really they, they, they've done it in a way. I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but they did a lot more aggressive marketing for this. I think since it became HBO, oh, yeah. HBO I, Max I drive exclusive. by billboards here in Los Angeles, uh, like every day. With yeah. The, the, the season marks the transition from the DC universe exclusive shows to all those shows being now on HBO Max. Uh, that's one of the reasons why like doom patrol had a big sudden surge, like three seasons afterwards for a lot of people. They thought it had just come out because it was one of the shows that was being marked is a now an HBO Max exclusive show. So for Titan season three, it's really, they, they've done it in a way where it's like, you really don't have to know much of what happened prior to just know who these characters are. And really, you know who these characters are. Like, there's really no surprise with it. Um, you know, the, the first two seasons, I, I would say that season one is kind of trash and season two is just you know, it's like five episodes too unnecessary. But with this season, like it, it's one of those situations where I almost feel like with Warner Brothers, it, it's got this uh, syndrome of just we'll, we'll give you what you want. Why don't you love us? Because they just go straight into it, like with the Red Hood story and everything else. And this always goes into the criticism of adapting something from the comp from the page to the screen. Like, will they do it justice? And they're just at the point where it's like, listen, you guys wanted Red Hood. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to beat the shit out of Jason. We're, we're going to have Batman and kill Joker and run away. We're going to have the Titans come to Gotham and then we're just going to have Jason as Red Hood just murder a bunch of people. And that's literally it. And and they even got the the guy who played Pete Campbell to join the series as Scarecrow, which I I I, I kind of like as Scarecrow, but yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's just really really fucking shocking. And because we're only in week 2 of season 3 and everything, uh, you know, I won't spoil it too much, but they kill one of the Titans in episode 3 of the season, and I didn't fucking see it coming, and it's been bugging me ever since. So I think you've so semi spoiler alert. Someone dies, but we don't know who. Yeah. Like I, the, the series isn't great. Like I have plenty of problems with it, but I, I am to Titans. What you are to Jonathan Hickman. I have so many problems with it, but I can't stop watching you it. Just can't quit him. I can't yeah. quit it. Yeah. No, that that's an accurate description of my relationship with Jonathan Hickman. It's like, I, I think I'm done. And then I look over and I see a flow chart and a blueprint. And I am, <laughs> I got to know who's living where, who's sleeping with who, who's sleeping next to who. Yeah. Um, so if you have HBO max, you've been wondering whether now, uh, is the right time to get into Titans. And if you've never watched the previous seasons, don't worry about that shit. Just go straight into season three and you'll know literally everything you need to know in the season premiere and onward. All right. So I'm going to sit down with like a cup of coffee sometime over the weekend and try to w- watch those episodes. Cause I, I, they really got me in with the, with the, with the, you know, the whole Jason Todd thing and, and everything. And, and the bat, I wasn't even expecting a version of Batman in this show at all, or at least Bruce Wayne we saw. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, shit, shit gets wild. <laughs> I don't think we have too much time. We're kind of wrapping things up. We covered here. a ton so of got, shit. 
to die. We, we covered a lot here. I think we were we talked about covering uh, some of the books we're reading night right now, but I, I don't want to, if we're going to talk about this stuff, I'd rather do it justice. So maybe we'll table that stuff. Maybe, perhaps, maybe we'll even do a, a short little bonus show uh, for our patrons to talk about some of the books we've been reading lately. But I, I think that's going to wrap it for today because we've we've covered just about everything we could cover. The only thing we really didn't talk about here too much, or at all, actually, is, is What If, uh, which you have been reviewing uh, each and every week with our friend Caleb France over on our Patreon. So we don't need to go into to today too much but just overall thoughts have you how have you been enjoying the show i think we've had two episodes come out upon this recording love it uh you know people have uh, made some criticisms they think it's probably uh you know one of definitely those experimental type of moves that marvel was going to make as they continued this like middle phase uh into the next phase of marvel films i love it i think the animation is pretty cool i love the fact that they brought back a lot of the original voice actors like they had josh brolin in the last episode we had a uh, michael rooker and obviously it was chadwick boseman's final performance uh as the role of t'challa and that that brought tear to my eye i love the series you know like i said earlier we're, we're past the normie phase of stuff and now we're just getting into the psycho crazy weird shit that's yeah, so much fun we're getting weird which i like a lot yeah this is like now it's just like it's all fan service now especially with that that, that disney plus stuff and the fan service doesn't doesn't mean you need to be a total nerd you could be a new fan but we're it's fan service in the sense like we're just gonna do weird shit and we're gonna have fun with this stuff it, it's like for the people that were reading this when like blade hadn't even hit theaters and stuff like that like this is for you like, this is for all of you people. <laughs> well, that's me. I was reading the stuff long before Blade Hit Theaters. Yeah. So, like, this is this is, uh, this is is epic. It really is. And I love this series. You can listen to it every week over at patreon.com slash secondprintpod. All right. Well, I think that about does it. Uh, next week, we will be returning to the uh, the quote-unquote standard second print format here. But, again, we're going to re- be doing this uh, at least for the time being until maybe fan feedback um, lets us makes us change things again at some point. But for now, every four Wednesday, you're going to hear us talking about uh, either books we're reading, which we really didn't get to today, or just whatever we're watching, TV shows, movies, trailers, news, whatever. Whatever we want. It's potpourri. Maybe that's what we'll call it. Second print potpourri. We'll see. There you go. Well, as always, folks, make sure to follow us on social media across Al Gore's amazing internet, Second Print Pod, everywhere across social media's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know how to find us. You know how the internet works. I'm Remster W. Martinez. And I am the marvelous Mark Klein. As always, read comics, change the world. world. Good night, America. Adios. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.